Welcome to the Creative Pen Podcast. I'm Joanna Penn, thriller author and creative entrepreneur, bringing you interviews, inspiration and information on writing, publishing options and marketing ideas for your book. You can find the episode show notes, your free author blueprint and lots more information at thecreativepen.com and that's pen with a double n. And here's the show. Hello creatives, I'm Joanna Penn and this is episode number 691 of the podcast and it is Saturday the 6th of May 2023 as I record this. In today's show, I have a discussion with Dan Wood from Drafter Digital and Michael Anderley from LMBPN Publishing and also the founder of 20 Books to 50k. And we're talking about the various fears and objections around generative AI in the author community and how we're navigating these. Now, we don't agree on everything, but hopefully our discussion will help you as you consider how you want to shift your creative and business processes in these changing times. So Michael breaks down his 10,000 books a year audacious goal and what that actually means. And Dan talks about how draft to digital deals with books, regardless of how they are created and why he is excited about the possibilities of co-creating with AI tools. And we all offer positive suggestions for helping the community get over the fear and doubt and move forward. So that's coming up in the interview section. In publishing and book marketing news, well, two good news items, reducing fees for authors. So Ingram Spark are now offering free title setup and free revisions for up to 60 days. And in July, there will also be new print options to create bright and vibrant books and new options for paper. Now, I'm sure children's authors in particular will be happy with that. And if you're a children's author and you're, you're not using the print on demand services, this might be a time to have another look. Now, that is good news. And uh, there will be a fee. But from July the 1st, it's paired with a global distribution fee charged at 1% of local list price. So for example, if your book has a US list price of $20, the market access fee will be 20 cents. So that's definitely a better deal than the current situation. So that is Ingram Spark. Uh, and if you go to their site, you'll see that because that um, started on the 1st of May. So we're now in that. Also, on reducing fees, there will be no 20% Findaway Voices distribution fee for audiobook royalties with Spotify. So more money in our pockets. And my husband always says there are two pockets, your pocket and other people's pockets. (laughs) So if there's more money in your pocket, this is a good idea. Also, a really interesting article on selling a million books from Angela Ackerman and Becca Puglisi, who are the co-authors of the Emotion Thesaurus and many other thesauri that authors have. And if you don't have those books, they're super useful resources. So this is non-fiction self-help, but their tips in this article are great regardless of your genre. And I'll link to this in the show notes. Their lessons include give the the readers what they want, take risks, put your own spin on your work, make sure your books are available to as many readers as possible and explore every opportunity. They found an agent specialising in foreign rights and we now have books in nine languages that have sold almost 400,000 copies to date in markets we would never have reached on our own. So that is just fantastic. And also they say run experiments. New opportunities don't have to be permanent. 
If you're not sure about something, set aside a prescribed period of time to test it out. Setting a timeline and recognising that the experiment is temporary can ease your mind about trying new things. And I wanted to pick that up, obviously, because of the discussions on AI. You can experiment with things and that can help uh, ease your mind, but also help you decide the way forward. Also, seek out multiple streams of income, as I always say, and many other people say too. So excellent titles, um, excellent article and links in the show notes. Also, I wanted to point out uh, Chris Rush has an article. Now, it definitely is the beginning of new emerging business models for authors, which inevitably means changing what the old business models are shifting, new ones are emerging, and we're definitely in a time of flux. Now, I've mentioned over the sort of past what 18 months or however long Andy Jassy has been CEO of Amazon but Chris Rush has a blog post going through the various elements of Amazon news over quite a while and I've shared much of it as it kind of happened but Chris has put it all together in an article called Go Wide or Run Away or Amazon Fail written as she says the drumbeat of bad news out of Amazon escalated from rumours to asset sales to major layoffs It includes thoughts on the latest reduction in page reads in Kindle Unlimited and what might happen under CEO Andy Jassy's watch that will change the business model for Amazon and how that might impact authors. As she says, don't be collateral damage. Consider how you want your business to look in the next few years, not the next few months. And it's so interesting in the interview coming up to hear Michael and Lee, who once, I guess, was the poster boy of KU talking about his shift. So uh, that listen up closely for that little tidbit coming up. Also in useful stuff, there's a new book for authors out from thriller author, podcaster and director of marketing at draft to digital Kevin Tumlinson. It's called A Note from the Author, 123 Wise Things Someone Should Probably Say to You. <laughs> And Kevin's been doing this for a long time now. So this is full of Kevin's hard won experience. I'll pick one that resonated with me. Again, thinking about the situation with AI. One of his tips is rethink everything with new resources. As we gain new resources, it benefits us to periodically hit pause and re-examine what we're doing in that new light We grow and evolve by applying new resources and new thought to old existing problems. In this way, we gain new experience, which we can apply to new problems going forward. And of course, uh, in terms of that last episode on the AI-assisted author, uh, artisan author, I have been re-evaluating my business model and my creative practices after 15 years as an author as regards the new resources now available. And I feel like I've been kind of on pause, but I'm just emerging from my pause. <laughs> and I'm going to start the upswing into real action. So exciting times and lots more thoughts from Kevin Tomlinson is in his new book, a note from the author. So in my personal update, loads going on. First of all, Pilgrimage is out everywhere now in all formats on all stores. And if you were part of the Kickstarter or you've bought it in any format on any store, I would really appreciate a review. And you can put those on the store you usually buy on or on creativepenbooks.com, which is my site, uh, or Goodreads. Any review is highly appreciated and thank you so much for that. Also, Map of Shadows, my uh, fan- the first in my fantasy trilogy, is on a chirp deal 
in audiobook format. And I've also put some of my other uh, fiction audiobooks on special for the deal. So if you use Chirp Books and you'd like to explore my world off the edge of our maps, check out JF Pen Deals on chirpbooks.com. Also, I was on the Reputation Revolution podcast with Trevor Young. And I first met Trevor over a decade ago. He's in Australia and we were in kind of the same circles back when I started blogging in, but you know, pre-2010. And uh, he's really kept an eye on my career. Thanks, Trevor. (laughs) And it was, so our interview was really in-depth. And as he asks various questions about my business over the years and how it's developed. So it was actually really good to have this kind of retrospective and moving forward with a lot of tips on how to build an online business as an author entrepreneur. It's definitely a kind of multiple stream of income side of stuff, non-fiction focus rather than fiction. Uh, So that was really interesting. That's the Reputation Revolution podcast with Trevor Young and me, my episode. I've also been having a lot of fun co-writing Catacomb with GPT-4 this week. I am slowly figuring out the process that kind of supercharges my creativity and works in the best way for how I want to move forward. I don't think it's any faster, but my writing is certainly deeper. I'm going, I'm, I can follow things more quickly and delve down into little avenues that I wouldn't have done myself if I'm writing because my writing is a lot slower. And But I'm like, what would happen if, if this happened? And then it will kind of go off in, in, in a direction. And then I can decide very quickly if that's the direction I want to go in. So it's a, a much faster iterative process. And then I can be like, okay, now it's given me another idea. And it's definitely this sparky, sparky process. It, and again, it's so much fun. So like I said, I don't think it's going to be any faster for me, but it's certainly a lot more fun. So that makes a big difference (laughs) because I actually want to be doing it and I want to get back to the page all the time. I've also been loving Mid Journey 5.1, which has come out this week. And I've been using it to make movie still images for Catacomb that I will use in a book trailer once it's done. So the prompts, there's, you know, horror movie still, or I've been doing some thriller movie stills as well for my Arcane series and just really loving the pictures I can create that way that relate to the book. I also, for the first time in ages, because Catacomb is a kind of standalone, it's essentially a horror novel. It's a monster book. (laughs) I'll read you my sales description co-written with GPT-4 at some point, not right now, but Catacomb is horror. So on PicFu, I have used PicFu for a split test on the cover design. And there was one I really, really loved. And there was another one which looks more like a sort of generic horror horror cover Uh, and PicFu is really great you can put a couple of cover options on and you can target readers of a specific genre so I put the two covers up and targeted horror readers and 42 people out of 50 went for the cover that was not my choice was the more generic cover that is genre specific and I mean how many times do we talk about this have a genre specific cover that makes readers of the genre want to click and 42 out of 50 is pretty clear the comments were really useful too and I shared that with my designer Jane and so I'm going to go for the cover that made people want to click (laughs) 
That seems obvious, but in the past, I have definitely chosen cover designs that I personally prefer rather than actually testing them. So yes, PicFu, you, I do have an affiliate link. If you fancy having a look or trying it, go to thecreativepen.com forward slash PicFu book, P-I-C-K-F-U book. Um, so PicFu book, uh, or just go to PicFu and have a look at that. You can split test covers and loads of other things. Also, in personal news, we're heading to New Zealand this week for a family visit. If you didn't know, my husband is a Kiwi, so we often go to New Zealand. (laughs) Everyone's like, oh, a trip of a lifetime. I'm like, no, we're just going home. Uh, So, yeah, it's not a holiday. I will be working from an Airbnb, so um, not. also it's kind of coming into winter, so not really holiday weather in New Zealand right now. I will be attending the Auckland Writers Festival. There are two sessions on AI, one with uh, an author I really like. So um, that will be interesting to hear the perspective on that. And no doubt I will tell you about it. Uh, I guess that will be in two weeks time. So thanks for your emails and comments and tweets. This is only a day after I released the AI assisted artisan author episode. So um, a few coming in there. Uh, Imogen says, thank you for this thought provoking episode. I've been struggling to work out what I think about AI. I do think of myself as a futurist, but I've been having some trouble squaring the role of AI with what I think an author does. Also, I was scared about becoming redundant. In this podcast, you quoted the question, if a bot can write this book, then what is the point? And that unlocked something for me. My books have plots and characters which AI can also create, but at their heart, they are about human emotion and connection. Making those connections is something only I can do. It's my interpretation of the world and my themes come from ideas that only I can have. I really have no reason to be anxious. Thank you so much, Imogen. I really appreciate that. And I know that you are already a very successful author. And so, yeah, I look forward to seeing what you're going to co-create in the future. And just a a couple of other comments Seamus said about Kevin Kelly's interview. Uh, Kevin's interview makes me feel much better because I am absolutely terrible at focusing on just one thing, despite the apparent logic of that advice. Yes, well, you've never had that advice on this show, Seamus. (laughs) As much as I would love to recommend doing just one thing, I do not do that myself. So uh, yeah, there you go. Also, Anders sent a message. He said, I've listened to every episode of your podcast. Thank you for all the good advice. And I was completely blown away to see that your guest was not a Kevin Kelly, but the Kevin Kelly. (laughs) Kevin's book, Out of Control, was one of my textbooks uh, in a university class on philosophy in 1994. I've been a fan of his and of futurism ever since. I appreciate your tech positive attitude in a time when many writers are feeling scared or defeated by the wave of AI tools. Thank you for all these comments. And there are lots more. Oh, also thanks to Tom, who sent some pictures of deer in the snow from the high desert of Western Colorado. Another spring and I'm cleaning out the yard and listening to the show at the same time. Thank you. Lots of other comments. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your positive comments and tweets and on the YouTube, on the blog, in email on social media uh, as this time continues i'm i've just decided to delete the negative ones <laughs> i don't want to argue anymore i want to get on with this myself so i'm going to keep sharing but i i just don't want to engage in negative discussions um i'm going to 
keep forging forward and it's really in- interesting Michael Michael and Lee says in this show you know I I'm I don't have the time to engage in all this negative discussion I'm just going to get on with my business and that was a bit of a clarion call for me for sure so I'm going to try and be better at that um so yes you can tweet me at the creative pen send me pictures of where you're listening email me joanna at the creative pen.com leave a comment on the blog or the youtube channel I love to hear from you it makes this more of a conversation So this episode is sponsored by Written Word Media, because however you write your books, you're going to have to reach readers somehow. (laughs) Written Word Media knows that marketing your book can be one of the most challenging parts of being an author. That's why they make marketing easy by providing quick, easy and effective ways to promote your books. Written Word Media is best known for their email promotion sites, Free Booksy, Bargain Booksy and Red Feather Romance. They have five promotion sites that send daily newsletters to a combined audience of over a million readers. And in fact, that's grown recently with uh, some partnership deals. They even have a site to promote audiobooks, Audio Thicket. When you purchase a promotion with Written Word Media, your book is sent to thousands of readers who love and read your books in your specific genre. As the email hits inboxes, you will see a flurry of sales or downloads of your title. They have announced new categories recently, which includes non-fiction, which I'm trying out, as well as many more fiction categories. Email promotions are priced on how many readers are in the genre and range from $25 to $500. You can also add Reader Reach Facebook ads. To help you get the most out of your book promotions, Written Word Media recently launched Premium Membership, which gives authors 10% off their book promotions and special access to products and services. So visit writtenwordmedia.com forward slash membership to take advantage of the discount. Or if you have any questions, email info at writtenwordmedia.com to ask for recommendations on which promotion will best meet your goals. So this type of corporate sponsorship pays for the hosting, transcription and editing. But my time as ever is sponsored by my patrons, especially the in-between episodes on AI and other futurist topics. Thanks to all patrons who've been supporting for years and months. You're amazing. And thanks to new patrons this week. Kim Dugan, Don King, Nancy H, Lynn Newman, Rick Holland, James Hazelwood, Lisa Amowitz, Spider-Man, not that Spider-Man, and Carl Brown. If you support the show on Patreon, you get my extra monthly Q&A. And if you are a patron, please put your questions on because I'm going to record them before I go to New Zealand. Uh, And that is around 45 minutes of me answering questions around writing, publishing, book marketing, making money writing, mindset and yes, AI and futurist things. I also share discount codes, behind the scenes information, early access, emotional stuff and more. You can support the show with just a few dollars, euros, pounds, whatever currency, and you'll get that extra monthly Q&A audio and the backlist. So if you'd like more audio, maybe support the show at patreon.com, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash the creative pen. Right, let's get into the interview. Dan Wood is the COO of draft to digital which helps authors self-publish alongside excellent support. Michael Andley is the award-nominated, internationally best-selling author of more than 40 urban fantasy and science fiction novels. He's also the co-author of many more with other authors under his company, LMBPN Publishing. Michael is also the founder of the 20 Books to 50K Facebook group and community. So welcome to the show, guys. Hello, and thanks for having us. 
Yeah, I'm excited for this talk. So Dan, let's start with you. What are you most excited about in terms of generative AI for authors and the publishing industry? And what are you playing with personally? I'm very excited by the opportunity to use some of the large large language models to help authors when they are stuck. It's like having a, a writing partner that you can run ideas off of. And with ChatGPT and some of the others, you can just say, you know, I'm thinking this, give me like three or four scenarios of how this might play out. I think that's very cool. Like many other people, I've had just a ton of fun with products like MidJourney to make images and just making outrageous images and seeing how they turn out. I think when you think about what that could do for helping authors communicate with their cover designer and help them understand like their vision and then the cover designer coming in with their knowledge of how covers should look for that genre uh, and typography and all those good things. I think it just makes communicating between artists a lot easier. As far as what I'm playing with, for me, my job, I, I came from a very technical job originally and my role at Draft Digital has largely been around people's skills and managing and all of that. And so I've had a ton of fun just playing around with the way in which you can help you code. I was never a programmer by trade, but I did learn it in college. And so it's been enabled me to just kind of play around with little projects that I thought would be fun. I've used it for helping me write marketing copy because I hate writing, like doing marketing speak. Uh, so it's helped me with my job some. And then like I'm looking at how it might help some of our younger members of our team with things like Excel, because it's very powerful at helping people write things like macros for Excel. They used to take classes and classes to learn how to do all the different things Excel can do. And now you can basically tell ChatGPT what you want it to do, and it will come up with the macro for you. And that's just awesome. Yeah, I and I love that you mentioned fun there because I definitely have a lot of fun. And you also said mm -hmm. writing partner, and I really feel like I'm co-writing with mm -hmm. GPT for now, for sure. But Michael, let's come to you. So at 20 Books Seville, where we were all met up and for that conference, you talked in your keynote about how AI developments have enabled you to think much bigger as a publishing company. And as I always say to you, your ambition is hella bigger than mine, and I really appreciate that. So tell us what you said at 20 books of in case anyone hasn't heard that <laughs> and why you're oh, so excited gracious. <laughs> so one of the things that people probably either know or don't know about me is i got in trouble six years ago for saying that someone should could put out 20 books in a year and it caused a kerfluffle and now people need to understand i didn't say necessarily 20 books in a year what i said was 20 books to get to 50k a year and now I say I have a big audacious goal of getting to 10,000 books production. And that all of a sudden became a big kerfluffle. I guess they didn't understand some of the ramifications of that. But when I'm looking at things, I am looking at my competition. And for me, unlike perhaps a lot of people, for me, my competition is Del Rey. My competition is Penguin Random House. And they have the ability to put out hundreds, if not thousands and tens of thousands of books. And that's where I kind of look at this and I see the opportunities. Now, LMBPN has already been down the path. We've already put out 350 books in one year. You know, we've already challenged, if you will, the mid tiers. The next challenge for us are the biggest guys. And I believe that with what's going on, AI is going to allow us to do that. A lot of the things that Dan had mentioned before come into play. How do we allow in all of the aspects of our publishing business to run more efficiently? How do we get out the pieces that don't work well, whether it's an Excel spreadsheet, 
or whatever it is, and AI is going to allow us to do that. I completely agree with the aspects on the creativity. I've done well over 100 series. Not too many people can claim that. I have had to go down the path of how do I get the next idea? Stephen King talks about read every day. Well, when you're writing as much as I wrote for the first few years, you don't read every day. I did suffer the well of what the hell. You know, what do we do next? And AI has engendered creativity and enthusiasm for new ideas. I understand that a lot of writers have aspects of writing they don't like. One of mine, I don't like to create really engaging universes before I start writing. I tend to find the universe. However, if the universe was created before, I have learned by using AI that it engenders explosions of dopamine hits on my creativity. That's a genius idea. I can put that into the book. And so there's so many things that it it facilitates all the way up to other aspects. And so I think there's something for everyone in AI. If you choose not to use it, absolutely fine. But from the standpoint of going after Penguin Random House without trying to get 5,000 employees, all of a sudden I see it as viable. Well, I think that's maybe what confuses people about you, though, because you are an author. You're like one of us and you have your books that you've written yourself and with other people. And then you also have these audacious goals that you're competing with Penguin Random House. So this goal around 10,000 books in a year, which is a goal, not an actuality right now, for sure. But is that the publishing side head, not the Michael author head? Yeah, it is because, I mean, one of the things, and let's talk about the publishing side head, and we spoke about these things. I think most people say, okay, that's 10,000 books in English, and it can be. I'm not saying it couldn't be, but I'm also saying the whole thing I expressed is all like, all stories from the company, and this isn't LMBPN, by the way. LMBPN is, is strictly human first, but 10,000 can be all stories in all modalities, which means ebook, paperback, hardback. Then you go to audio, which can be synthetic audio, synthetic multicast audio. It can go to comic books, graphic novels, story scripts. It can go all modalities, all languages, all modalities, everywhere, which means around the world, all at once, which is obviously a digital manifestation. And so when you do that, even if you took 10,000 books and you divided it by five modalities, which would be easy to accomplish with the ones I just announced, and 10 languages, which also easy to do, that's 200 books. You know, 200 times five times 10 is 10,000. And a lot of people don't want to either clue into that. And over the last seven years, I've tried to explain to people at times and either fear, anxiety, overwhelm. I mean, there's a lot of honestly justifiable reasons of why someone could react in a perhaps negative way. But I'm not here to explain everything. I'm here to provide a hint of what can happen. And some of the things that I say aren't because I think they can happen. It's because I know it can be accomplished. And so, but I'm not going to sit here and tell people, this is what we've done. This is what we've accomplished. This is what I know we can do. And after I put that down, I watched the responses for a little while and then I ignored them. And, you know, mentally, emotionally, it just really wasn't worth it. But I did see one of them where someone was trying to ascertain. And I got a little annoyed because I'm like, we haven't put out one one AI written book yet, period. And I'm like, where are they getting off wondering about these things when they have no understanding that this is what I'm goal oriented toward? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that's interesting. And there are a lot of fears and anxieties. So Dan, you've been enmeshed in the author community for so many years now, and you understand a lot of this. And we've read it in the comments around things, but we also hear it in the community. So what do you think are the main fears and anxieties around AI, the implications of AI for writers? That really is like the heart of why I wanted to be here and why I thought it was so important when you suggested that we do this discussion that it happened is there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of uncertainty. Some of it has to do with people being afraid that they can be replaced. Uh, We're seeing that in the artist community. We're seeing it in the narrator community. And we're now seeing it in the writer community. Because I think there was a certain assumption within authors that AI could replace jobs that would never come for creative jobs. I think people are perhaps worrying a little bit too much because I think what really, yes, the large language models can generate text, but really the things that really get to the hearts of readers are the things that are unique and like the human struggles. And that's always going to take a human component, I feel like. I feel like we do need to take a stand and say, we're seeing the same sort of rhetoric being used and the same sort of people trying to force this into black and white of... There is only one way. There's AI, you use AI and you're wrong or you are completely human. And that's just not the case. It very much reminds me sometimes of the rhetoric that was used by traditional authors about indie authors 10 to 15 years ago. And they're like, oh no, this is going to ruin reading. It's going to ruin publishing because there's just going to be too much content. And I think what we've seen from the indie movement is that there's never enough content to keep up with what, how much readers want and how quickly readers can read. And so, yeah, I think everyone has a choice. I don't think anyone has to use AI to help them with writing, but you can. And we should be accepting of people using AI as a writing tool. Uh, You might choose not to do that, but you might want to think about using AI to help you with your marketing copy. Because there are things that people complain about all the time. They're like, I just wish I had somebody to do this. And they don't realize that generally that's what traditional publishing was providing. And they were having to pay a salary for people to do those things that they didn't like to do. And technology has enabled the indie movement to happen to where suddenly an author could also be a publisher and take care of all their business needs. That's all technology. I guarantee you, I've hated that we've started talking about it and calling it AI because I I think that's very misleading. It's machine learning still. Draft Digital, Amazon KDP, the only thing that enables us to work with so many authors is that we're using machine learning to help us with reviews. Uh, we're not able, there's just no possible way our business models would work if we had to read every book to review it. And so we're using tools. And so you as an author are gaining through what we're now calling AI, and you have been for 10 years. You've been using things like Spellcheck and Grammarly that are AI. That took away some things for editors to do. But there were other jobs available for people. And if you are willing to transition, jobs are still going to be there. Like they're going to change. There's things that we could not have dreamt of, like people getting paid to play video games on Twitch or YouTube. Those are things that technology has enabled. And so, yes, there are fears and uncertainty about all of this. But I think uh, there's going to be room and humans are going to be a vital, important part of any creative endeavor going in the future. Absolutely. And I agree with you on the rhetoric and it's it can't be 
AI or no AI, because there is no no AI in the world that we work in online. I mean, even people listening to this right now on a podcast player, whatever they're listening on, is it, all kind of AI powered these days. So like you say, we need to dial down the negativity in the rhetoric on this kind of thing and be more accepting of people. But let's carry on with some of the concerns, because one of the things I've read from people is readers just won't want to read books that are AI generated, we're all planning on using elements of humanity in in our books anyway. Like it's not they're not AI books about AIs or anything like that. So and that people will be able to tell because the writing is somehow soulless. But I'm co-writing with GPT-4 and I can tell it's not that. But Michael, what are your thoughts on this kind of anything that involves AI in the writing process will be soulless and we'll be able to tell? I guess the first thing I would say is we already have millions of human written books that are soulless and people can tell because they don't buy them. They don't read them and they don't continue with them. And so I think we've already been down this path. The question, which I think is at the heart of where drafted digital is too, with Dan's comment related to machine learning, crap isn't going to go up. What you're worried about is people who understand how to use the large language models and the generative pre-trained capabilities in order to create quality work. If you can't create quality work with GPT-4 at the moment, that's actually on you. It's been done. I've seen it. We've edited it. We know it can be done. So that's not the question. Crap's just not going to get sold. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess that does come back to draft to digital and Dan obviously representing the company as well. So one of the other things that people are saying is, oh, you'll be able to tell and things will get machine banned. So you mentioned there about the tools that you have that kind of make sure certain books get through. I know people are worried and that their book, if the authors who want to use elements of AI, myself included, some people are worried that those books will get flagged and banned and other people would like them to get back on the way in or there's rumors and they are rumors about books being banned from Amazon either with AI text or AI images so what is draft to digital's thoughts or your thoughts around what's going to happen with books that use various elements like this well i think one of the things we discussed while we were in europe together was that we're we really don't think there there need to be a lot of rule changes. And that's something that we're communicating with our partners and they're still trying to figure it out as well. So the retailers, the library systems, the subscription services, essentially we want good content and we don't ask someone if they use the ghostwriter. We don't ask someone exactly how they made their content. We have tried all the different tools to at least try to identify if something was AI assisted. Uh, None of them have a good success rate. And that seems to be the academic consensus is that there will never be a great way to detect things that are written by these large language models because they are very, very good. And there are a lot of humans that write very, very poorly. And so what we are looking for is just quality content. Like I mentioned, we're scanning books to look for things that we know the retailers have told us they're concerned about in our system at least, then we have a human look at it and apply that judgment that only a human can. That's the way it scales. Like There has to be a level of scanning all of this. Often what we will have people from, uh, I would call the scammer community or perhaps, and this is a separate community entirely too, uh, the low content community or the passive income communities that will try to just post a bunch of content 
They will be very repetitive in nature. And we generally will reject that kind of content because it's content that's readily available on the internet. Like when those answers are out there. So if someone is just coming around along and using GPT to generate things that are people can find easily with internet articles, we don't want that content. Our partners don't want that content. If you're trying to make quality content and something that's unique and appeals to a reader base, we will always take that. And I don't see that changing ever. And it really doesn't matter what tools we use to make it. Okay, well, let's talk about another thing that is not (laughs) legally decided yet, which is around the copyright side of things. So Michael, as a, a businessman with a number of businesses, you're very careful about these things. What are your thoughts on the copyright aspect of works created with AI, even though there is no legal ruling on it? If we are publishing these books, then we have to think something about it. And you also do foreign rights licensing, you do all these kind of things. So we are signing contracts or using terms and conditions that are legal contracts. So what are your thoughts on the copyright side? And is that something you're at all concerned about? Well, this is an interesting aspect and I have looked at it and I've spoken to one of our lawyers yesterday, actually at length, and another lawyer over in Amsterdam at the 20 Books Holland. And so I asked them aspects of this I understand that a lot of people, and my belief is that some who have fear or anxiety are trying to hide behind this, but the reality is easily explained this way. Let me ask, let me posit the question to both of you. We both agree that the law says right now that if you use a mid-journey image, you cannot copyright that mid-journey image. Is that correct? Unless you change it in some way to make it more specific. I know, Dan, what do you think? Because you guys are publishing these things. It's confusing. For me, being risk averse and what I know about the law right now, I probably would not recommend people use mid-journey images on their covers, but I think it's fine to use for a number of other things like social media posts. But I think there are some very strong arguments to be made that you probably can and probably won't have a legal problem if you do. Uh, Well, can I just interject on that? Because I have a cover that is on Draft to Digital with a demon's eye is a mid-journey image that my cover designer then turned into a book cover. So I am on that side of it. So Michael, carry on. Where are you on this? So let me, so, let me, so in general, just that y'all actually answer this very specifically, which I would think is awesome, but in general, the answer is no, you can't, right? Just in general, without the specificity that you're talking about. Now, let me ask you the question. If you as a mid-journey person say, give me Batman in this amazing pose with a gargle behind them. And you take that image of the dozens that you do and you put it on a t-shirt and sell it. Do you expect to get a takedown notice from DC Comics or somebody, a very tersely worded, you have broken my copyright? Yeah, for sure. Because that is someone else's character. Do not use Disney prompts or Marvel prompts or any of that, for sure. And there's your legal answer. For all of it. For words. So you talk about it for the writing. It's the same for words, because if you, if a human created it, you are legally protected. If a human created it. So if you create, so the aspect in talking to the lawyer, and I'll go just a little bit more into this, because once again, people should go and connect to their own lawyers. They should get their own. But generally speaking, the words that are in your book right now, you may not copyright. If I pull out and tree, bush, building, you can't copyright those. You can't. You start, and so at that level, or even concepts, tropes, 
You cannot copyright tropes. If you have a book that basically says a woman went here, she got attacked, and then this guy came in, tried to save her, but she kicked his, you know, whatever. You cannot copyright the overview of what's going on. It has to be what they call materially materially similar. So even in those aspects, you can't copyright those things, but you actually, when you start creating a character, right? So why don't you as a human create your character? I think it goes back to that that idea that we really, we have laws for all this already. There's still things mm-hmm. that have to play out in the courts. There are, I think at a certain level, there are things that are problematic about the image generators because they did just scrape the web in general without a lot of supervision against scraping content that is copyrighted. So that's kind of some of my qualifications earlier was why I don't necessarily trust it to use it on covers is because there are a few prompts where there's such a small number of images that fit that, that it was trained on, that it will generate something that's almost identical to an image that is under copyright. But yes, I think what you're saying as far as We've already got loads of precedent in case law for those things that are created by a human. And then it doesn't really matter what tools they use to to put that out in the world. And you can't, you know, I can't come along and make something that looks like a character of yours. I can't come along. And I mean, it does get squishy with if I come along and give a prompt that is give me a book in the style of this particular author. If they Mm -hmm. are in the public domain, that is certainly legally fine. Is it ethical? Maybe not. Um, well, if, to, to clarify that one, the way I understand where we are at the moment is if I try to build a large language model on the aspect of James Patterson, which is completely doable right now, and then I try to build thrillers and compete with James Patterson, I'm going to be probably screwed in the courts, period. Now, if I were to say not try to train something and I go in there and I build a thriller and I say, hey, uh, write this in the voice of James Patterson, I'd probably still be on incredibly shaky ground. If I chose to say something like, all right, I have this thriller and give me the dialogue of Elmer Schnitzen and the description of J.R.R. Tolkien, that's eh, a little bit vague. However, if I come in and say, and this is what the lawyer kind of said yesterday. He said, but if you go in there and say, hey, write me a thriller in the style of the 1950s best-selling pulp writers, you're really not going to have that much of a problem because what are they going to say? Yeah, well, and this is what I wanted to come back on is this is my overwhelming recommendation for people for images and text. Do not use any names in your prompts. So yes. do not use an artist's name for images. Do not use an author's name in writing. And as you say, I mean, like, so I'm using like you are a award-winning horror writer, although I've also mm-hmm. used my own name and my own name brought out some pretty cool stuff for me. But yeah, this, so I think ethically just in general and coming back to the mid-journey image where my cover is selling on Draft Digital and elsewhere, that is a character cover. And again, no artist's name was used in the prompts. It's a combat photographer, female combat photographer that then my cover designer edited and changed. So I don't see any problem in that. And this is a really important point because one of the reasons people want to use these images is because there are not stock photos of some of these things. So for example, fantasy characters of colour or for me, like a female combat photographer, there was no such character existing on stock photography. So, and I know images are slightly different to words, but I think our whole point here is don't use names in your prompts. Don't use other people's IP Mm -hmm. 
in prompts. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Completely yeah, agree. I, I very much agree with that. Okay, cool. Right. Well, let's come on to another fear that people have. Now, we have mentioned that, Michael, you said that the good stuff will rise to the top. And Dan said the same thing. Mm-hmm. Things won't be rejected because of AI. But let's think about marketing because, <laughs> I mean, people say, oh, there's no competition. We're all here being nice to each other. But let's face it, more books does mean more competition. And for example, bidding on keywords is a very specific example where there is a clear winner for every auction of keywords on a platform. So in that case, there is some competition. Dan, what are your thoughts on how AI might impact marketing? You said it in a good way in that we can do social media posts and blurbs and stuff like that. What are some of the other potential ramifications or things that people are worried about? I do think very much that people are worried about there just being too much content and that being making it very difficult for their marketing and very difficult for them to stand out in the content. I think that they're underestimating how the different retailers will use AI to help them curate and help readers find books that they really love. And so I think generally when people are very scared about how it's going to impact marketing visibility, it has to do with the idea that there's just going to be more content without thinking about the ramifications of the technology and how it will improve discovery in general. For marketing, I I feel like there's very few places in our industry where it is truly like a fixed pie, where KU by far, and by KU, I mean Kindle Unlimited, if one author is doing better, then it does mean like there's only so much money in the pool. As far as the general book community, though, the more authors, the better, because authors are readers and authors read a lot more books than your typical non-writer. And so the more people we get into the author community, the more people are buying books, the more people are reading. And so I think that is all good. I think AI will make it like your marketing spend go farther. Like the AI tools will probably be able to help people do Amazon ads better. They'll probably help people be able to do Facebook ads better. We'll have new tools that we've never seen before because the different language models right now help people with a moderate understanding of coding and programming uh, develop things very, very quickly. And that's something that it's within the industry. There's always been a lack of there's just not enough developers because developers tend to go on to jobs that pay a little bit better. And there's just not as big of the margins in books to, to draw the top talent. And so now I think we're going to see people like people like me and Michael that have some knowledge of how to write programs, but didn't love it and had a problem just sitting down and writing a program from scratch, they will be able to make new and exciting, innovative things. I thought about this a while ago when Dan was saying something. For all of you authors who hate to do blurbs, please raise your hand. You know, you can physically do it in the safety of wherever you're at at the moment. If you have not tried any of the large language models, try this. Go in there, grab three blurbs from best-selling authors that are in your genre, tell GPT, I want you to take these blurbs and let me know when you are ready, paste the first one, hit enter, paste the second, hit enter, paste the third, hit enter, and then say, write me a blurb where, and give it information about your book. And then you can thank me in the morning. Now, if you don't want to use AI, you won't be able to do this because you're not for it, but I hate blurbs. Now, I created a methodology to write blurbs years ago based on something that I'd looked at on BookBub, just the, the way that they would do their little 
way, but I go and grab three of ours, paste them in because I had this happen to me two weeks ago. I needed to do a book nine blurb. I hadn't done anything in this particular series for two months. Could not remember what the heck was going on. And I wait a minute. I went and pasted in seven, no, six, seven, and eight. And then I looked back and say, okay, here's the core of what this book is about. I pasted, hey, write me a blurb, blah, blah, blah. This is what happens. Go. And I had my blurb in a minute. And I'm like, fantastic. Looked at it, made sure it was right, sent it on. Happy camper. Happy, happy camper. And so for the marketing perspective, that's just one example of how AI can help us in other areas. Now, related to your cost per click things, I've come to the conclusion a year and a half ago that Amazon's taking us on a pay to play, just like Facebook did years ago. It's no different. Therefore, I looked at what we were doing at the time, which is about 300 books a year and still is. And so I looked at that and I said, okay, uh, pay to play. They're going to slowly take the money that they give us. That's very similar to what Facebook did. And I'm like, we're going to have to leave. So the whole question, in my opinion, the whole question related to KU versus wide is going to play out because at a certain quantity of books, you can't play in Kindle Unlimited is my assertion. So if we were to use what I just said and the aforementioned 10,000 books, 97% of them would be wide. So Dan, <laughs> what do you think about that? Because obviously draft to digital is all about wide publishing. I 100% agree. And I think we're seeing the Kindle Unlimited model takes care of a lot of things. And it certainly is exciting to a reader and readers have gotten used to things like Netflix and Spotify that give them kind of all you can eat for a certain amount of money. But those models kind of break down and we're seeing the early days of Netflix were incredible, but now everyone is realizing and walling off their content in their own subscription service. And so now there's dozens of subscription services and we're all getting sick of paying yeah, you know, I, I have to have a Paramount Plus account. I have to have a whatever they're calling HBO Max these days. I have to have Spot, Spotify. I have to have Netflix, blah, blah, blah. I think we're also seeing Amazon is under new leadership, and that leadership doesn't seem to care as much about books as perhaps the previous one did. We're seeing more and more people go wide. We're seeing the pandemic really uh, helped ebook adoption take off in markets and other languages that where it hadn't been most people had not tried an ebook before and so we've seen growth outside the english language market over the years and i think ai is just going to be more fuel on that fire as it makes it easier for both english language content to be available in some of these other markets but also for those authors in those markets to reach the broader English language market to to do their own translations. I think as more as authors are able to do more formats that helps their author career. And so the great thing about the indie movement is that it allowed for much much greater diversity of content because what was getting published before was largely like groups of people from the same basic backgrounds, you know, people who had connections to New York publishing people who had connections to London publishing, people who had connections to Sydney publishing. Generally, these were affluent people and publishing has always favored the affluent. Even within the indie community, you have a leg up. If you've got the money to spend on a good cover, if you've got the money to spend on editing up front, you're going to have an advantage. And then when you have the money to spend on marketing up front, 
with AI, I think it will level the field even greater for all those authors who are just starting out so that they can have a competitive product. They can be in all formats. They can get more bang for their buck with their ad spend. And I think if people are concerned, what we're really saying is new tools are going to emerge. If old, old ones stop working, new ones will arrive. In, in fact, what I did the other day, I really wanted some more... Dan Brown style action adventure religious thrillers like my own arcane series. I was like, okay, so there must be more authors out there other than just the ones I keep finding. And so I went on ChatGPT and I asked it, I was like, these are the types of books I like. What are 20 other books and authors I should check out? And then it gave me a list and they were all guys, which is normal because action adventure is a very traditional, it's been, you know, a lot of the guys like Wilbur Smith is dead, old dudes, Clive Cussler, all of that. And so I was like, well, how about some books by female authors or books that have been released in the last decade? And it gave me a whole load more. And then I said, I want books that make me feel like this and talk more about the emotional side of the books I like to read and some with architecture in. And that's why I actually had a chat around finding books to read. (laughs) And it gave me a whole load of new authors. And I was like, this is fantastic. This kind of discovery that you can chat to book discovery is brilliant. And at first, my marketing brain went, how do I tell it more about my books? Like this whole thing around, oh, we don't want our books in there. Well, it's like, we do, perhaps. I mean, there's Google Bard and there's Bing and all of this. But that's what I was thinking. I was like, there has to be something that will do this. We have to encourage people to chat to find more books. I know for me, like using any of the retailers for discovery kind of got unwieldy because the way in which they list things is not the way that readers think or talk about books. I started going to Reddit for all of my, you know, I, I would follow the different subreddits that were genres that I liked for recommendations and watching how they describe books is fascinating to me. And it's like, I think every author should be looking at that. But the cool thing is that, um, you know, the cool thing for us is that those large language models were trained on Reddit. Uh, now Reddit is starting to respond and realize the data trove they have and trying to protect that. but there's a lot of information out there to help you find a particular trope or feeling or author that's much better than the discovery platforms for books that are out there right now. So I guess what we're saying is there'll be a lot more things coming along the way. So there there was one other thing I did want to mention because we're almost out of time, and that is that we don't want to see more polarization. We touched on this a bit before, but when we were in Seville, we were like, this feels like the first AI-centered conference that we've been to, where it was a mainstream topic of conversation. Your opening speech touched on it, Michael, and then there was a session on mid-journey towards the end. It was like a bookend of the conference. So how do you think the author community is going to shake out? Because again, I remember when Joe Conrath's Tsunami of Crap blog post came out back in like 2012, whenever it was. And that was when the indie versus trad thing was there. And then of course, there's the KU versus wide and none of this should be so polarized. Mm. Michael, given your position in the community side of things, how can this shake out so we can all move on? (laughs) Well, that's a really good question because we do need to realize that some of the individuals that are being what I would consider negative have a vested purpose in being negative there's a value to them to be against AI. And so just recognize that sometimes the individuals that are saying things that 
they're trying to get you to act in a certain way that is not in your own personal self-interest. Just read, get out there and make your own decision and just realize you're an adult. You might have to go against something that people want to vilify you for. My whole purpose of saying what I did was that, you know, throw the arrows my way. It's not going to do anything to me because I'm going to ignore you anyway. Just like I've ignored everybody who is upset with me for the last seven years because I don't get on social media. I'm not personally trying to ignore you. I'm just not there. I'm rarely on social media because I have a business to run. I have authors who need to be paid and I, they need marketing and I'm in those conversations. And I have Robin Cutler who grew Ingram Spark and she's running the publishing side. I have conversations with her. And guess what? It doesn't leave me time to sit on social media and wax poetic about whatever's going on. So I'm here to grow a business. So if you wish to sit there and like anything, wax against something, yes, you might be hurting somebody that's right next to you who could really hear the message and it could help them grow. And just the reason I wanted to start 20 books is help somebody make enough money in order to feed their kid, to be able to buy some Infamil. And if I'm going to say something about AI and make it okay for them to go check it out, then so be it. Yeah. And Dan, obviously you and the folks at Draft Digital go to a lot of conferences and you go to more traditional conferences as well, mm -hmm. not just indie. So how are you going to deal with this and how do you think it will shake out? Yeah, I have been going to a lot of conferences. I have many, many friends in the author community and I have friends that are scared to let their friends know that they're using AI and that they're experimenting with AI. And that's why I wanted us to talk and I, I wanted to make sure to that there are people speaking out for them because some of the rhetoric is awful and we should really try to give each other as a community more grace. We have the opportunity to make something much better than traditional publishing ever was. And we've been great at sharing how to succeed in so many other aspects, but we always, there seems to be something like the indie versus trad, the KU versus wide where we let it divide us for a couple of years and people say awful things and we need to get past that. Something we talked about is uh, Drafted Digital has been working with Apple on their digital narration product. It's a great opportunity for authors that have just never had the money or the technical know-how to make uh, get their books made into audio. Out of that, I've been in contact with thousands of authors and I have gotten emails back that were just like, I can't believe, how dare you? How can draft digital support this? I think it's fine for you as a person can decide, I don't want to have anything to do with this. Like that is the great thing about being an indie is you control your business. Trying to tell someone else how they might run their business, I, I believe is neither good nor is it helpful. I, I believe it's also a waste of your time. Like all this time that you're spending on social media complaining and uh really trying, you know, you're trying to hold back a flood and you just can't do it. This stuff is going to happen. Legal things may slow it down a little bit, but for the most part, you have to change with the times. Things will never again be like that 2012, 2013 period where you could just put a book up on KDP and it had a good chance of getting discovered. Things will never again be like those first that first year of Facebook ads where nobody knew how to do it. And so the people that did got huge visibility. Things will continue to change. 
So the people that will be successful are the people that will try to change with the tide. There are there was a comment, Joanna, that I read yesterday. ChatGPT has a hundred million users. Just look at that right there. And they got it in four months. That, you know, so the fastest growing software usage and things all across the world, it is here. If you believe it isn't, that's not actual reality. So, yeah, I feel like part of the reason we wanted to talk was to try and make it a more AI positive or at least AI curious environment for people to be exploring this type of technology and be able to talk about it with other authors without being completely shut down. And there are other communities being started because people feel unwelcome in different ones and like we don't want to end up completely splintered we've all been doing this way too long to to end up with a splintered community so I enjoyed the 20 books of L more than a conference I've been to in a long time like I felt really part of what this movement is and it's very exciting so Michael I, I want to ask you because I have booked my ticket to Vegas but 20 books Vegas as you know I haven't been to that one before because I'm such an introvert and it just seems so big but I'm like I want to be part of this movement so what can we expect at 20 books Vegas this this year 2023 as we record this so you asked me this at 20 Books Seville, and I had to call Craig because everyone knows, because I say it on stage, Craig is the one who runs the 20 Books Vegas situation. And he said that he already had three classes on it already. I suspect more will be done, and we can certainly do an opportunity and ask me anything with you and myself there, if you're up to it, and we can sure. make something happen. And so, you know, yeah, it's it's going to be part of what's going on. Well, that's great. And Dan, you're coming? Yes, I will be at 20 Books Vegas. I think I've been at every 20 Books event except for uh, Edinburgh. (laughs) Edinburgh, we call it. (laughs) Edinburgh. (laughs) But no, that's fantastic. So tell us where people can find you and everything you do online, although individually you're not particularly contactable. But Michael, you go first. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly any of the fiction books, because that's the only thing that we do, lmbpn.com for all of that. If you would like to see about getting published with LMBPN, we actually hide that quite a bit. But if you look at the bottom left-hand corner of the main page, there's an opportunity there for you to get involved. And uh, other than that, uh, once again, like you had said, Joanna, not terribly easy to get a hold of, but there are ways to get a hold of me. Dan? Probably the best is the draft digital blog, or we have our self-publishing insiders podcast that you can check out. Uh, I personally, on Twitter, at DanWoodOK, share a lot of information about book publishing and AI stuff that I find interesting that I think could be helpful to some of you if you are into that sort of stuff. Brilliant. Well, thanks, both of you, for your time. That was great. Thank you for having us. So I hope you found this episode thought-provoking as you consider how to use AI tools in your creative process and author business. As ever, you're welcome to leave a comment on the show notes, on the blog or the YouTube channel. Tweet me at The Creative Pen or, of course, you could tweet Dan Wood at Dan Wood OK. So one more to go on this special batch of AI episodes. Next Friday, I have an interview with literary fiction author Stephen March, whose book, Death of an Author, is out this week from Malcolm Gladwell's Pushkin Press. Stephen is a literary fiction author and the book is 95% written with AI tools. So that is going to be a fantastic conversation. 
Then next Monday, I'm discussing mental health for writers with Toby Neal, as Mental Health Awareness Week is 15th to 23rd of May, at least here in the UK. And uh, Toby and I talk about lots of things, but the main focus of Mental Health Awareness Week this year is anxiety. So we do talk about that, although lots of other things too. And personally, I've talked about various aspects of mental health um, before, but in pilgrimage, there's certainly an aspect of that. And also in my crime thriller, Delirium, which is based on the history of um psychiatry in the UK. It's a modern day crime thriller, but I have quite a lot in there about my own mental health read through the eyes of other characters. <laughs> I mean, many of us deal with our issues through writing uh, fiction or nonfiction. So yeah, interesting times and hopefully will be useful to you. So in the meantime, happy writing and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening today. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes and show notes available at thecreativepen.com forward slash podcast. You can also get your free author blueprint at thecreativepen.com forward slash blueprint. If you'd like to connect, you can tweet me at The Creative Pen or find me on Facebook at The Creative Pen. See you next time.